Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Amen. Help me welcome our internet family, would you? God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. So glad you're all here this morning. We're going to continue on our series, All in the Family. And I was off last week. I hope you missed me. But I took the weekend off. Pastor Tom covered and did just a wonderful job last week. And every now and then, you just got to have a little break. And so... um, so we did that last week, worked out kind of nice because uh, my son that lives in Nashville was home and my daughter home from college and so we kind of had some extra of my kids and it was just good to have a day off and be with some of my kids, so it was a good thing. But uh, as always, eager to get back and so we're going to continue on this series, All in the Family. Um, this is part five actually of this series and we've got one more week next week that you do not want to miss. Um, because that's going to be all the odds and ends of family that we're going to kind of pull pull together. Um, we believe that a series is a season that God is speaking something to us as a church family. And so I want you to realize it, this is, we believe God is speaking some things to us during this time. So no matter what your situation would be, please don't exempt yourself from the message and say, well, that's talking about the perfect little family. No, 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 not at all. We're just talking about God's ideals and what God really wants for our families. And so whatever your current condition, status, situation would be, um, all of this is to help all of us. And then it's not only to help you, but it's to help you to help others as well. Amen. Um, God's, <coughs> excuse me, God's purpose for the family Um, is incredible and it's greatly resisted by the enemy and his purpose for the family has to do with a place that is so um, honoring a god honoring and nurturing and and healthy that it produces whole and and strong and and creative and godly people and so that's what god is after that's his purpose so the enemy His target is not, although he targets and attacks family, really what he's after is the individual. So he he targets and attacks the family, the enemy of our soul does, um, because it's kind of like bombing the factory. It's like poisoning the well because families produce individuals and families perpetuate whatever's in the family. It perpetuates out. And so that's why God wants it to be uh, a healthy family. healthy place creating healthy people but a lot of times so that family can get messed up and we've we've talked about that again this is not a house of condemnation uh we've all had family stuff and if you haven't you lying and so uh but we want to hear god's truths that would help us uh in all of this now um i want to share with you first of all before we get into the real deal of stuff today a rule everybody say a rule and this is a rule, and if you'll get this rule down, it will help with everything else. And here it is, right here. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Can I get an amen? It's in the Bible. It's in my Bible. I wrote it in there. 
Actually, Alicia made me write, write, it, write it in there. But no, how many of you know a lot of truth to that though, right? And then I want to share a resource with you. And this is a long-awaited resource um, available. So glad that this has finally come out. It's the book, Understanding Women, has finally arrived in, in stores. We were going to sell it, but something about shortage of trees. And, and so, Am I in trouble with all the ladies now? Yeah, all right, all right. Let's quickly move on. And this morning, I want to share with you about family maintenance. Family maintenance. There it is, family maintenance. Everything needs maintenance. And what maintenance is, it's the ongoing work and process of keeping something in good working order, good working condition. Without maintenance, so many things deteriorate, they break down, and so maintenance is, is something everything needs. I question anything that's, quote, maintenance-free. If it's maintenance-free, it's usually just going to last just so long. A maintenance-free battery, maintenance-free lawn furniture, whatever, it just, it's only going to last just so long. But everything needs maintenance. Family needs maintenance. And... Um, uh, certain things like your car or appliances, there's scheduled maintenance for those things. And if you violate that, if you ignore that, you can, you can void out the warranty, you know, on that. So maintenance is not just about um, a good appearance. It's about good working condition, good working order. And we've learned how to have the good appearance of things. But the hard work has to do not just with the appearance, but the actual condition and working order of the family. Maintenance is not just for when something breaks down. Actually, there's what's called preventative maintenance. And of course you need maintenance when something breaks down. But preventative maintenance that would prevent things from, from breaking down. And then there's what I call, or what I've read called the uh, broken windows theory. Hear this just for a moment. The broken windows theory. And here's the principle. Disorder invites disorder. So the idea is if you pass a building and it has a broken window, if you don't repair that window soon, you will have other broken windows, and eventually all the windows will be broken. Why? Because disorder invites disorder. So what do we do with that? It means this, that you fix small things promptly. You, smick, you fix small things promptly. You don't let little things go without fixing them because disorder invites disorder. And that is part of the maintenance for our families and for our relationships. Families need maintenance. I'll say it again. Families need maintenance. And um, just think of life, the natural wear and tear of life, what I call collateral damage that we all incur, incur from the trouble and problems that are around us. We have an enemy of our soul that targets us. We have decisions that we make. We have directions that we take. We have the storms of life. We have schedule. We have pace. We have all of those things that, that require that we have some maintenance in our families, in ourselves, and in our relationships. I would also suggest to you that if your current pain, if I can use that phrase, pain in relationships and in family right now, what that actually points to is the need for maintenance. And so where, where things are not quite, you know, you got one of the wheels off the track, something's squeaking, something's grinding, something's not, 
not just flowing just right, that's a sign that pain is a, it points to the need for maintenance. And again, family needs maintenance. One of the ways that we fight for our families is maintenance. And, and it takes work. Everybody say work. And it costs. You know, that's why we don't do maintenance on so many things because it's either work or it costs. And with our families, this cannot be neglected. We have to make sure that from this day forward, we will put out the effort, we will put out the expense, so to speak, to make sure that we're maintaining our families because of what family turns, turns out. Amen? And this is one of the ways we fight for our families. Look in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. The prophet writes, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Don't fight your families. Fight for your families, for your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. We've got to fight for our families. The way we do that is through maintenance. And so I want to share with you just six things this morning. Look at me for this. There are no substitutes for these six things. You can try to, you know, I, I saw a commercial the other day and uh, what's the Amazon thing? And you can just speak in the room and it'll answer you. Yeah, her. Well, it's a little scary. You know, we've got Siri and so forth. And so I wanted to know what's a substitute for vegetable oil? And it said this, you know. And, and they said, well, what's a substitute for that? Because it didn't have either. And I want you to know there are no substitutes. There are no substitutes for these six things that I want to share with you this morning. So let's, let's dive in. Let's grab hold of these. I don't like to share six points in one message, but due to the nature of this whole series, that's kind of the way this flows. There's so much information that we've got to get out in a limited time. And um, so hold on, and we'll get all six of these in. We did it first service with, with ease. The first one is this, time given. Everybody say time given. Time given. Not time spent. That's a different mindset. This is time given. Time is the currency of our life. It's the currency of this dimension. And there's a conspiracy, I think, against our time to divert it, to steal it, to cause us to waste it. How many of you have wasted any time before? How many of you wasted that time you had a phone in your hand? I say, I knew you wouldn't tell me. But... um, But time wasted, time diverted, time taken up on other things, wrong things, uh, lost time. Why? So that you end up with no time because there's no time to give. I don't have the time when, in fact, relationships in your family demand that that you have some time. And there's no substitute for giving that time. You can give, you can give gifts, you can give money, and that will only numb it for a, few, for, for a brief period of time. But eventually, it will be felt that time was not given. And we know many, many stories that kind of illustrate that. There's a million and one ways to spend time with one another. And it doesn't always have to be quantity. It has to be quality. Everybody say quality. Because the way life is, we can't always give a whole lot of time, but we can give incredible quality of time. And there's just little things that matter, little things of quality time, a million different ways that you can spend time together. You know, you you can sit around, you can talk, you can have coffee, you can braid each other's hair. Well, not mine, but... um, (laughs) You can do so many different things. You can eat together. You can play together. You can walk together. You can, you can do whatever. Last, last evening, um, 
it was just Gabriel, my, my 17-year-old, myself home, and we went out and ate together. We went and saw a movie yesterday together, and then last night we just sat in the hot tub and just looked up at the sky last night, and it was just, that was just awesome. It was just quality time like that, and you need to spend quality time. When I was a little guy, my dad, uh, before my parents divorced, my dad worked for Frito-Lay, so bet you can't eat just one. And he drove a Frito-Lay truck and delivered to all the grocery stores and so forth. And he had a warehouse. And part of me feels like I went with him all the time to go to the grocery store, to sit in his truck or go to the warehouse. And the reality is I probably only did that four or five times. But it meant so much to me that I, I was all involved, that he took, with me, took me with him in the grocery store, you know, just in the grocery store and he's setting up the display and I'm handing him stuff and, and just that time together with him and then driving his, the delivery truck and had like a gear shift that looked like it was seven feet long. Y'all know what I'm talking about, you know? And he had the, on the console there, he had his stapler and all kinds of stuff. I remember playing in that thing out in the, in the driveway. That's the first time I ever stapled my hand because <laughs> he would do it so quick and I did it so quick too. But, um, but the reality is he probably only took me to the warehouse, to the grocery stores, maybe four or five times. I know that in my adult mind, but in my little kid mind, I felt like I went with him all the time. And so the impact of just quality time spent. And here's the thing. Your life is made up of time. So get this. How you spend your time is how you spend your life. So when you give somebody time, you're actually giving them your life. Instead of just some stuff, you're actually giving your life. Look at this in John chapter 15. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And I said that your life is your time. And when you give your time, that's the greatest expression of love that you can give to somebody. And there's no substitute for it. Time given. The second one is this, energy invested. Say that with me. Energy invested. Invested. Look in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And then look in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. And what it's saying is this. Put something into it. Put something into it. Everyone. Say everyone. Everyone should add to the family. Every family event, every family meal, every family whatever, everyone. You should not be the resident bump on a log. Well, that's just the way I am. I know, and that's why you sound that way. And see what we need to be? Everybody. Say it again, everybody. Everybody needs to add. Everybody give out some energy. Everybody contribute to the atmosphere, to the event, whatever it would be. And wherever you are, be all there. But we have energy. It's going to take energy. There's no substitute for it. You can't exempt yourself out. You need to make sure that whatever way that you can, that you're somehow interacting, giving attention, giving energy, that you're participating in what's going on with your family and with your relationships. Thirdly would be this. Forgiveness extended. Say it. Forgiveness extended. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be kind to one another... Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now look at this. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. 
So I think when we forgive one another, forgiveness extended, when we forgive one another, we need to be kind about it. Sometimes we forgive, yeah, but you, you let it happen one more time, you know, and we've, we've got this nastiness about it. Well, here's the deal. You want to forgive the way you want to be forgiven. And you don't want to be forgiven that way. You don't want to have all these strings attached and things held over your head and so forth. And so this, this is some of the maintenance for relationships and for families is forgiveness. And one of, the ways, uh, one of the ways that we maintain some devices is through what we call reset. Well, this is forgiveness is the reset that comes. You know, have you ever had your phone fritz out on you or a computer or something? Sometimes the maintenance for that is to reset it. You know, to turn it off, turn it back on, to reset it. How many of you like that? You've you got to have that in your relationships, in your, in your families. Uh, you, in your house, you have to have that because that is one of the ways that you reset. Listen, the longer you hold on to unforgiveness, look at me. The longer you hold on to unforgiveness, the longer you will stay hurt. And the longer you stay hurt, the longer stress and strife are going to fester. And, and it's not good for you. And it takes the oxygen out of the relationship. It takes the oxygen out of the air. When two people in the home have not forgiven each other, how many of you know it takes the oxygen out of the room? It, and, and what we've got to do is get the air back in there. We must forgive. There are no enduring relationships without forgiveness. And forgiveness really means this, that you release it. You let it drop. It actually in the scripture is an accounting term, and it means this. You owe me nothing. Go ahead and say that. You owe me nothing. And so when we forgive one another, and how many of you know every day we're going to have to forgive? Okay, for the rest of you, uh, every day we have to forgive. We're going to have to forgive each other because we, we all want what we want. You're a person. I'm a person. I want what I want. You want what you want. And we don't do things right. And sometimes we're not in the best of moods or we don't handle things right. We say the wrong things. And you know what? What are we going to do? We're going to end up in a mess and everybody's going to be angry unless we can reset, unless we can release some things, unless we can let some things drop and say, you know, you owe me nothing. And we've been forgiven. We've been forgiven, and so we must also forgive. And Jesus said in Colossians, Paul said, he said, just as you have been forgiven, you need to forgive. He said, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. You need to forgive others the way that you like to be forgiven. And that's tenderhearted, and that's complete, and let it drop. I sense resistance. I do. And it's because of this. And it's a whole nother issue, and it is this, that, well, what if it's something they keep doing and keep doing and keep doing? Now we have a whole, this is wholly different subject because that's a problem. That's a cycle. That's, that's a pattern, and that must be dealt with. You cannot demand of your family, forgive me, and keep doing the same things. Get some help. That must be dealt with. But still, for everything, for minor, for major, for massive, and repeatedly, there must be forgiveness in the house. Forgiveness needs to be extended. And on your day-to-day stuff, release it, drop it, let it go. You owe me nothing. 
I cannot tell you how important what I just told you is. Amen? Forgiveness extended. Next one is this. Gratitude expressed. Say it with me. Gratitude expressed. Look in 1 Chronicles 16. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Gratitude expressed. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make known his deeds among your peoples. Okay, the people in your house. Listen, your house, your furniture, your pets, your kids, your spouse should know you're thanking God. Now, I'm not talking about being weird in the house. Everybody say, don't be weird. Not talking about that, but as you watch God do things for you, you should constantly be grateful. And I think you need to express it. I need you to say it. I remember a couple times last week sitting at the counter in the kitchen and different things, phone call, mail, different things, to be able to say, thank you, Lord. And I said it out loud. Thank you, God. Or to hear of something working out, thank you, God, for doing that. You should be aware coming and going that God's been good to you. I said, you should be aware coming and going that God's been good to you. And you don't just think your thanks. You speak your thanks. And you should thank God. And guess what else? You should thank people in your home. Seriously, don't take things for granted. And I'm not patting myself on the back, but I thank my wife. I thank my children. The other day she comes in the room with a stack of my laundry. I'm thankful. I said, thank you, baby, for clean laundry. Thank you that you folded it and didn't throw it at me. You know, and what you reward gets repeated. People feel good about things. After a while, if you're, not, if you're never thanked, you grow resentful. Get some gratitude in your house. Express it. Say it. Thank people for things. Thank God for things and let gratitude. And listen, listen, the difference between being blessed or being spoiled is being grateful. I'll do it again. The difference between being blessed or being spoiled is being grateful. We've taught our children their whole life. If they don't thank us within a certain period of time, now hear this, it's life-giving. You know, even little kids getting a Happy Meal, if they didn't say thank you soon enough because we've got to teach them gratitude, I would do this. You've heard me say this before. And the thankful children said, and they say thankful. And and here's, here's the thing. A thankful heart is a happy and healthy heart. And it's way, way better than a discontent heart or a complaining heart. Let's make sure that we have gratitude expressed. Amen? Amen. Two more. Hope spoken. Hope spoken. Say it with me. Hope spoken. Words matter. Let the language of your house be the language of hope. Don't be doom and gloomers. Don't be political commentary people all the time. Don't be... Watching the news 24-7. Don't be talking about how bad everything is because what you're doing is magnifying the wrong things when God is bigger and God is greater than all your problems ever put together. Let the language of your home, the language of your house, the language of your family be a language of hope. Look with me in Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, Other translations say the God of all hope, the source of hope will fill you, say that's me, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's so good. I've got to read it again. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Anybody like that? Would you like the God of all hope to fill you with joy and peace? Because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, hope is the result of the resurrection. We're going to be celebrating that in just a few weeks. But, but hope is the product of the resurrection. Jesus rising from the dead is proof that the worst thing is never the last thing. Amen. Amen. And there's always hope. Say there's hope. There's hope because God is bigger. And we're Easter people. And he's alive again. And we're alive. And there's nothing that he cannot do. And so our homes need to be filled with hope. Don't be, I could have told you that was going to happen. You know, that's such a joy to be around, isn't it? You know? And, and just negative and, and down and tearing each other down. Listen, you either build up or you hush up. Because tearing down is the devil's work. Part, part of my childhood, I remember when family would all join together, part of the family sport and fun was to put somebody down, to make fun of somebody. And that's all well and good until it's you. Seriously. And then you have damage the rest of your life. And so what we've got to do, we've got to build up. We've got to compliment one another. My wife would pass out if I complimented her. Watch it happen. It's in that book. But listen, compliment one another. Cheer one another on. Tell each other it's going to be okay. Stay positive. Pray with your family. Say things like this. When challenges come, God will help us. God saw this day. Everything always works out for us. Watch what God will do. There needs to be words of hope coming out of your mouth. Well, that's not really like me. And that's why things are so uptight at your address. And you're going to have to break into that atmosphere and start to speak out into the air words of hope because of the God of all hope can fill you with hope if you'll put your trust in him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And then one last one, Christ-centered, Christ-centered. Say it with me, Christ-centered. I saved it for last, but it's actually the first. Jesus must be first. Put him first. He will help you with all of the rest. You know, when Jesus is Lord, when Jesus is first, when your home is Christ-centered, it speaks of the foundation. Look with me in Psalm 121, 127, rather. Unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. If we don't make our home, our house, our family Christ-centered, you're going to do a whole lot of work and it's not going to count. It has to do with the foundation. Christ-centered home, Christ is our foundation. It doesn't speak of perfection. None of us are going to get it right on, all right on this side of heaven. But we must have a Christ-centered home. Jesus, you're welcome here. Jesus, what do you want here? It affects what we listen to, what we watch, how we talk, how we act, how we react, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, what we allow into our family and allow into our home, allow into that atmosphere. Are you with me? The culture of your home, the culture of your family is largely determined by what you model and by what you tolerate. And all of that gets settled if you will have a home, a family that is Christ-centered And when you do that, when he is the center, when he is the foundation, now things can be solid. Now things can be stable. 
Now things can be loving. And now there's availability of help and power and peace. I'm telling you, this is the big answer for all of us. And if you drifted off of that, get it back today and settle it. This home, my home, my family, my relationships. Jesus, you are first and Christ centered. I actually know of some stories that modern day people that were like modern day pirates swinging at each other, hating each other, cussing each other, drugs, alcohol, infidelity, everything. And I'll tell you what was, what was missing. I know what was there. What was missing was a Christ-centered home. What was missing was Jesus. And when two individuals came together and surrendered to the lordship of Jesus, and he saved them, and he pushed that stuff out of the way, they were able to rebuild a home, a relationship, and a family. It's got to be Christ-centered. And listen, you can even take an existing home. Think about this. An existing home, you can sure up the foundation under an existing home. And then you can remodel. Hey, I watch Fixer Upper. <laughs> but for real. The foundation of our home needs to be Jesus Christ himself. And then we can build upon that. Amen. Amen. He's the rock. All other ground is sinking sand. He's the rock, Christ-centered home. Amen. Time given, energy invested, forgiveness extended, gratitude expressed, hope spoken, Christ-centered home. This is how we fight for our family. This is how we fight for our relationships. This is the maintenance that there are no substitutes for these things. Get a hold of these things and determine today, I'm not going to be just a hearer. I will be a doer of this. Even if I shock my spouse, shock the rest of my family, since when did you become Mr. or Mrs. Hope? Since when did you start spending quality time? Hey, shock them, and I'm telling you what, God will meet you right there, and he will bless. Amen? Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.